You're listening to the official podcast of Asbury University, produced by students with God-honoring conversations that inform, edify, and encourage. This is Asbury. We explore culture and current topics through a Christian worldview, promoting a well-balanced life, and we empower our community to belong, become, and be set apart. I'm your host, Abby Lobb. Welcome to This is Asbury. Welcome back to This is Asbury. Today we have a guest with us who is in from Oregon. Welcome, Dr. A.J. Swoboda. I am here. Oregon has come to Asbury. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad you didn't bring any rain with you. No. This time. This time. <laughs> Not this time, although we do need it. So so you were speaking in chapel this week, spending some time with students on campus. Thank you for doing that. I know that our students really love to hear you speak. Oh, so uh, absolute joy. And I think yes. this is my fourth trip, actually. Yes. Yeah. One of my student workers found out you were coming, and she's like, I love Dr. Swoboda. She already graduated, and she's like, I might come to chapel anyway. Nice. nice. <laughs> so you serve as the assistant professor of Bible, theology, and world Christianity at Bushnell University, and you also lead a doctor of ministry program around Christian formation and soul care at Friends University. So it sounds interesting. These are true things. These yes, are they are. True. Yep. It's funny to hear things read about yourself. <laughs> so got your PhD from the University of Birmingham, and you're the author of numerous books, including the award-winning Subversive Sabbath. Yes. You're married to Quinn, and you are the proud father of Elliot out there in Oregon. So uh, welcome to Lexington, yep. Wilmore. Uh, yes, yeah, so oh, our pleasure. Thank you. So your most recent book, After Doubt, tell us a little bit about that. What was the inspiration for this book? So the big idea, um, Abby, if I were in an elevator with you, the big idea would be this, uh, that we all who are on the Jesus journey, uh, the, the, anybody who's on the way, uh, is going to go through a season where they're going to begin to rethink what they think. Uh, and that is to say that uh, a natural part of the maturing Christian life is we begin to realize we've been wrong about some stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a, a really, a, a very natural but very sacred part of the journey of following Jesus. And even in the Gospels, we see these moments of epiphanies where the disciples realize that they have not understood Jesus and mm. that they have so much more to learn. Um, and so the, the book really is about this big word that uh, unfortunately has taken on a life of its own in a way that it's almost unrecognizable now, but it's mm-hmm. the word deconstruction. Mm-hmm. So we, we are mm-hmm. all kind of familiar with this if we spend any any amount of time oh, on yeah. social media mm-hmm. or whatnot. And basically the book is about that word and it's about how deconstruction is not what we think it is and Mm. that sometimes actually it can be the journey towards Jesus Mm. and that uh, God wants to meet us in the middle of it and that there's lots of different uh, aspects of the journey of rethinking what we think. So basically at the end of the day, the book is about how to walk through that. The subtitle of the book is how to question your faith without losing it. And that Uh, captures the... That's good. Did you have an experience of your own that sort of led this? Yeah, (laughs) yesterday. I mean, the the, the reality is that this book is birthed not only out of a journey of over and over realizing that I, my intellect and reasoning was far behind the person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, That if we're called to follow Jesus, it means that we're not just called to follow him with our lives, but our minds and our thinking as well. Yeah. I can't, I can only count, I can't, cannot count the number of times in my life where I've realized I've been wrong. 
Oh yeah, um, we all and, have. Yeah, yeah, and, that, <laughs> and that's a. But the Bible, by the way, is a word for this. Uh, the, the the word that we would we, we would use for. Uh, in, in Hebrew, the word for repent is the word shuv, but in, in the New Testament, the word for repent is uh, metanoia, which li- literally re- kind of renders changing your mind. So, mm. so literally repentance, part of repentance is a humility to recognize we've got some learning to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is birthed, it is both birthed out of my own personal experience, but it is also birthed out of years of pastoral work. Mm. And as a professor of seeing students come to university, and need to realize, oh my goodness, Jesus is like way bigger than I thought he was. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a sacred journey. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, in your book, you write, quote, we too often assume that doubts and question and critiques of one's own faith are the same as losing it. Mm-hmm. But this deception betrays the ways Christians have been following Jesus for 2,000 years. So why is this distinction so important? You kind of touched on it earlier, but, you know, that that word deconstruction, yeah, it's a it's it's yeah. a naughty word. So uh, how can you have both questions and faith together in this tension? Yeah, let let me take you for a moment to um, what my life is like as a professor. So I, I want you to imagine um, I'm teaching a course with a student who comes to university who um, has never uh, studied the Bible academically mm. or really in depth, and so mm-hmm. they come into a class like my mine, and all of a sudden. They are doing a swan dive in a whole bunch of questions that they didn't even know th- that that were questions. Yeah. So, for example, um, I'm teaching an intro to the Bible class w- with students who have never read Genesis 1 through 12. Mm. And we take an entire semester and just read Genesis mm. 1 through 12. Well, when you read Genesis 1 through 12, it raises all sorts of questions. Who, mm-hmm. who was Cain's wife? Mm. Um, yeah. What are the Nephilim? Why would God send a flood? I mean, these are, right. these are big questions. Yeah. So when my students have these questions... It is a natural response for them to think they are the first people to ask mm-hmm. these questions. And so they come and they think, like, my questions are these novel, brilliant questions, when in reality, these are questions that people have been asking for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned as a teacher is that most of us don't know the difference between a crisis of faith and a crisis of understanding. Mm, yeah. And the reality is what most of my students are going through is a crisis of understanding. They just don't understand yet. Yeah. That is not the same as a crisis of faith. Actually, part of loving Jesus is to go through a constant crisis of understanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, read, read the, again, uh, the number of times in the Gospels that the disciples themselves are portrayed as the problem. <laughs> right? Jesus it, is like, why don't you understand? <laughs> in fact, Jesus often does his best stuff when the disciples aren't in the room. Yeah. It, it's almost like they need, they need him, they, Jesus needs them to get out of the room before he can do his best stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the story of following Jesus is being a follower of Jesus is a constant, ongoing journey of realizing we've been wrong about stuff and that, and that a crisis of understanding is not the same as a crisis of faith. And mm-hmm. actually, if you have real faith, there are things that you don't get yet. I think mm-hmm. the greatest sign that we're actually worshiping ourselves is we believe everything we want to believe. Oh, yeah. We think we know everything, of course. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's exactly right. Yeah. So the sign that we are actually loving God is God, trans- God transcends what we think. He's bigger yeah. than what we think. Yeah, yeah, we have trust that he knows something we don't. And, right. and honestly, that's really refreshing in a lot of circumstances. Like, no, I don't really need to know everything all the time. Yes. I don't yes. know that I could carry that weight. Yes. Neither could you or any of us. Yes. So what do you think are the dangers of not making space for these questions, like you're saying, and not making space for this doubt? What do you think happens? Uh, TikTok. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. What happens and Twitter. I mean, uh, what? Here, here's the deal. Um, 
as a dad, so my in my in my little family, we just had a big monumental moment in this Woda mm-hmm. family. We just my son is twelve. We just had the birds and the bees talk. To oh yeah, yeah. Um, but not not like we kind of had little ones. But That's like, on the horizon for my family too. Yeah, it'll come. <laughs> but I'm talking Abby. I'm talking like the real one. Like yeah. I mean, we were like gra- I mean, we like we wanted them to know what what yes. what, what sex is. Mm-hmm. So you, this twelve year old kid taking all this in, and mm-hmm. wow, he is in a whole new world mm-hmm. that he didn't even know uh, mm-hmm. existed. When you talk to your kids about really, really sacred and important things like mm-hmm. sex, it brings up all these questions. Mm-hmm. And the mo- I think the most important gift that I give my son is that I am the safest person in the world to ask any question right. of. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that the underneath this is the assumption that if he doesn't feel safe to bring his questions to me, mm-hmm. he will take them to TikTok. Yeah, yeah. And Lord knows, uh, oh. let's get an amen in the room. Amen, I, absolutely. I would rather my son come to me than TikTok to, to begin to understand what human sexuality is all yeah. about. Right. And so what I think has happened, you, you asked the question, what is the, what's the problem with not creating space for doubt? Our, or our questions, our questions will go somewhere. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They don't just go away. Mm-hmm. They, we have to have a place for them. And if we don't allow them in the environment of among God's people. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's where they should be. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't imagine a better. That is the safe space for yeah. questions. It's the church. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why Asbury created something called the Set Apart Retreat. It's it's That's one of the goals of that is they get off campus and they go and they, they learn about the Bible. They learn about how to read the Bible, but they also, like you're saying, have a, have a place that's like, a safe place off campus to, to ask questions yes. like that. And it's yeah. it's so beneficial. It's yep. so fruitful. And they really do grow as a result. So, you know, one of the books of the Bible that we all kind of think of as a place of, like, this guy's having a terrible time. I'm sure he's doubting his faith, you know, is the book of Job. So how is the book of Job helpful in the discussion on doubt, mm-hmm. deconstruction, and faith? Mm-hmm. Well, there's... Um... Oh man, the injustice of talking about Job with an answer. <laughs> right. But but, but the, I, I would say that that it is when we read Job, um, it is wrongly. It is the story of a guy who loses everything. He loses his family. <laughs> he loses his reputation. Mm-hmm. He loses himself. He mm-hmm. loses everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we all read that story and think this is about somebody else. Mm-hmm. It was actually, I think it was. Um, Whitfield, some one one kind of uh, one one great awakening preacher. I can't remember who it was. Said, actually, the story of Job, when you look at it, is actually the story of all of us. Yeah, and that yeah. every single one of us will, at some point in our life, um, lose everything, mm-hmm. and it's called death. Mm-hmm. That we will we will actually all give everything away. Mm-hmm. That all of my stuff, my son will get someday. Mm-hmm. Somebody else will get all my stuff. Mm-hmm. I like to. I've, I've often put it that we are all generous eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, yeah. we will get there. Um, it may not be, you know, in this <laughs> lifetime, but we will get there. So, in the story of Job, Job has all these questions for God. God, why would you let this happen? And and he's basically for 20, 30 chapters writing a script, mm-hmm. a series of questions he wants to ask God, and finally gets to God in the latter part of Job, and he gets the chance to ask God his mm-hmm. questions. And it's shocking when you get to mm-hmm. you know Job thirty seven thirty eight. Not one, he, not one of his questions comes out. Mm. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. when you read the text, 
all the questions are reversed. Mm-hmm. Job does not ask God one question. God <laughs> asks Job right. a bunch of questions. Job, where were you uh-huh. when I put the sun in the sky? Where were you when I yeah. created Leviathan? Where were yeah. you when I laid the foundation of the earth? And I think the lesson here is that God, for the person walking through, writing that script for God, all those questions, that actually God does not always give us answers. Mm. And that actually the point of Job is not that God gives us answers. God gives us himself. Mm-hmm. And, and that there's a fundamental difference between having all the answers and having the presence of God. Yeah, I, I think... Mean, the, the very, Abby, the, the, for heaven's sake, we as Christians, the last thing out of Jesus' mouth on the cross is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Bible scholars have for years pointed this out. Of all the times we wish the Father would have responded, there's complete silence. Mm-hmm. Jesus hears the Father say, you're my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased, in two other occasions, but not at his worst moment. And we always come wishing that God would speak in our worst moment, and sometimes God is silent. Mm-hmm. But he is with us. Mm. So I think I think Job yeah. tells us, A, we'll give it all away. We will all be generous eventually. And secondly, um, God gives us what we need, and we don't need answers. We need presence. We just need him, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's, that's a great point, point. Yeah. definitely. Are there any other examples from Scripture that, that are helpful, maybe when you're talking with your students, that address wrestling? Wrestling yeah. with doubt. Yeah. Um, confession. This is, this is a big one. Um, yeah. Nerd out for a moment on the, the gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, we have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Three of those are uh, we uh, call the synoptic gospels with eyes. It's basically the, the, the way of saying these three, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are very similar to each mm-hmm. other. Uh, they share like 90% of the same content, material, mm-hmm. story, just sort of rearranged for different points. But one of my favorite features of one of the synoptic gospels is the gospel of Mark. And when you look at the authorship of these texts, you know, Matthew was a named disciple, um, but Mark was not. Mm-hmm. John was, Mark was not. Yeah. John Mark was um, was not a disciple of Jesus and named disciple in the gospels. So then whose story is Mark? Mm. It's Peter's story. And Mark, John Mark is passing on, Mark is passing on Peter's story. There's some debate as to why Mark is writing it. it there's poss- it's a possibility that Peter's a fisherman, he's not a good writer. Mm. But it is really notable that the guy who would have had the most authority in the early church, yeah. his gospel is not written with his name on it, which speaks to the fact that it's, it, it's humble. Okay, but the point is this. Of all the gospels, this is Peter's story, Mark. Of all the gospels, <laughs> of all the gospels that have the most detail about Peter's denial of Jesus. It is Mark. What that means is <laughs> that Peter is preaching the gospel through the confession of his own failure. Yeah, yeah that's powerful. Here's, here's why this matters. Young people, yeah, people, it doesn't matter young, old, it doesn't matter what it is. We love to put on a face of perfection and we think that preaches Jesus. And I want to suggest um, and I know I'm speaking, you know, in a Wesleyan environment here. I'm a holiness person too. But I think we can learn from Peter. And I think the way that we preach Jesus the best is not by preaching our own perfections. We preach Jesus best by naming our own failures and how Jesus met us in the middle of it. Yeah. And when you're talking to a young person who's wrestling with their faith, the, the worst thing 
they should do. The worst thing is put on a mask and pretend it's not there. Yeah, I think that definitely speaks to this generation, especially too. They're all about that authenticity, and yes. and they really see through. They really see through you when when you're not being authentic yes. with them and yes. honest with them. Well, that, that leads to my next question really well. Just as we start to close, you know, you talk to students every day. That that's your role. So the U.S. and the world, you know, this is very unchurched. Pro- probably in recent history, perhaps the most unchurched they've been. Um, what is on your heart for them in the time of, you know, distraction, questioning of the faith, you know, TikTok, all these things? What What's on your heart for these students, and what would you leave them with? Um, I have this um, this story from years ago. I'll keep the name the names out of it just by virtue of, um, of, of guarding the identities. But um, a number of years ago, a friend of mine um, got caught um, in uh, uh, having an affair, um, a two-year affair, and uh, and it was a total devastating story. And this friend of mine, the gift of this mistake that was made, a tragic mistake, was that everything was on the table. Mm. Nothing was off the table. And now, if you're going to reconcile, you got to talk about everything. You got to right. get it all out. Yeah. It feels to me a little bit like our moment in history is everything's on the table. Mm. And nothing is now off the conversation table. And I know that is terrifying. <laughs> if, you're, <laughs> if you're a parent, you're like, that is a terrifying right. moment. Uh, but I want to suggest that, that the enemy of our souls, Satan, doesn't realize that he has tripped himself up. Mm. Because we are now at a moment in time where everything's on the table and we actually get to talk about stuff that matters. Mm-hmm. And I would say, be bold. And don't be terrified by the, the, the moment we live in. Jesus is as on the throne today as he was the day he ascended to heaven. And we now live in a moment where we get to talk about the things that actually matter in the real world. And we get to do it with boldness because we have the story of Jesus and the blood of the lamb wins. Yeah. And we don't, we don't, we don't need to be afraid. And there are a lot of Christians right now that are cowering Mm. in fear. And that is not the spirit of Jesus. We are bold creatures that live in this world and we have the message of life and we better hold it out. Yeah. Amen. That, that reminds me of something that, um, there was a speaker here. Well, you probably know John Stone Street. He, Mm. he was here, I think last year. And he said something to the students that really stuck with me. He's like, yeah, God has a plan for your life. He knows what you're going to do, but he also knew when it would be happening. Like he, like the timing of, of when he put Mm. you, like you specifically on this earth, like the exact time is so important and like we don't always think of that we always think well what's you know what's god's will for my life or what am i supposed to do it's like well the the timing of why and when he put you here was also divine and i think like you're saying like now's the time for boldness we got an esther we Mm -hmm. got for such a time as this yes we are we are we have been given a moment and we will be accountable for that moment and the 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 least our the least favorable response is cowering in fear Exactly. We stand in victory in the blood of the Lamb. I think that's an awesome place to close. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of This is Asbury. To learn more about Asbury University, visit asbury.edu.